it's the 18th of February, 2009. I'm at the London School of Economics, <laughs> and I'm interviewing Lord Layard regarding IAPT. Lord Layard, thank you very much for agreeing to this interview. Pleasure. On, and I'm <laughs> speaking on behalf of the London Journal Primary Care. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I'd like to start with the, the, how IAPT began and your role in, in its development. Um, I believe in 2005 um, you gave uh, the, at the Sainsbury Centre an annual lecture um, regarding mental health in Britain and you subsequently presented a paper to the Number 10 Strategy Unit entitled Mental Health, Britain's Biggest Social Problem. This was followed by your depression report in 2006. Um, now in 2009, we have IAPT beginning to be rolled out in various parts of the country, and that seems to me a remarkable achievement. I'd be really interested to find out how it, it all began. Well, um, I was writing a book on happiness and I uh, thought I should look at what are the main causes of unhappiness in our society. And uh, there are some surveys in which people have been asked how happy they are. Uh, and you can try and uh, explain this by all the obvious factors like their income and so on. Yeah. And what you will find is that the factor which explains more of the misery in our country than yeah. any other um, is a record of mental illness. Yes. Um, I wasn't actually surprised at this because I'd yeah. always had an interest in the area. Um, my father was actually a Jungian psychoanalyst. But given the importance of it, it struck me as remarkable how little attention is paid in public policy to the main uh, forms of mental illness, uh, which of course are depression and anxiety disorders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when I looked into um, what uh, were the uh, treatments available in the NHS, it was obvious that um, a, uh, a, only a small minority of people with those problems um, are actually receiving any kind of help. Um, and in most cases, um, uh, it's medication, even though the NICE guidelines recommended recommend that uh, in all, all cases other than recent <coughs> or mild, um, patients should also be offered uh, CBT or certain other psychological therapies specific to particular conditions. Yeah. But um, uh, we know that in most parts of the country they simply can't be offered that. And this has been a complaint which been confirmed to me by GPs all yes. over the country yes. and the Royal College yes. um, as being a real problem that they, yes. have, they have patients who desperately need psychological help and um, it's not available even though it's recommended by NICE uh, and it seems to me that this was outrageous really right. um, and mental illness was not being treated on a par with physical illness yes. where people weren't being treated for diabetes or other diseases, yes, um, it would be considered outrageous. Right. So, how did you manage to persuade the government uh, to take your view and to actually put money into it? 
Well, I always made the case on a humanitarian basis. Um, but um, I, I also yeah. pointed out uh, that uh, the government was losing a lot of money through yeah. the employment effects yes. um, of mental illness, yes. um, which was causing costing them a lot in terms of incapacity benefit and yes. uh, lost taxes and um, that in fact if we implemented nice guidelines uh, I showed with a paper with some other colleagues um, it would pay for itself in terms of savings on benefits and um, lost taxes and I'm quite sure that <laughs> That argument carried some yeah. weight as well as the humanitarian one. Yes, yes. So you you gave the humanitarian one, and and then mm. sort of the hard sort of financial facts, oh. which sort of seemed to have swung. Was there anyone in particular that helped you in 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 this process <coughs> in government? <coughs> well, there were a lot of people helped. Yeah. Um, Ed Miliband was very helpful. Um, uh, um, Milburn, um uh, in particular, helped us to get the manifesto right. uh, commitment in the Labour Party's yes. 2005 manifesto yes. to expand access to these therapies. Yes, excellent. So um, you've answered really my question of why you focus on mental health. Um, what you, drew you to CBT in particular? Well, I had discovered um, actually through earlier discussions with Lewis Appleby <coughs> and subsequently through my contact and friendship with David Clark um, that it has this very very strong evidence base Yes. Um, and it appealed to me uh, I have to say um, as well um, in that it had this forward-looking positive um, approach um, which seemed to me um, more helpful than uh, a lot of the more backward-looking um, types of treatment yes. which um, uh, I had uh, heard of, yes. um, which didn't seem to have helped a lot of people yes. who had been through them. Um, yes. So. Um, I thought that the very hard-edged hard evidence with random control trials was very important yes. and very convincing to yes. me. Yes. But of course it's the fact that uh, some other therapies have been justified through random control trials yes. and, and doubtless more will be yes. um, if they take seriously the challenge of proving their efficacy. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, I mean, CBT, as you say, has this um, quality of being... Uh, very in, in enabling and very mm. collaborative and working in the, the here and now so mm. it doesn't address the past necessarily or they might do mm. um, anything else that sort of that might be attractive um, for both individuals who need it and and to sort of those uh, government government people anything else about CBT that seemed attractive has a strong evidence base anything else well obviously <laughs> it, it's the case that um, most um, courses of CBT um, have a limited duration. Yes, yes. Um, and are therefore not hugely expensive, yes, and yes. it becomes practicable. Yeah, um, okay. 
to provide that to millions of people. Yeah. And because we are actually talking about millions of people. Yeah. And if we insisted on giving um, very intensive and long courses yes. to people as being the most the main acceptable treatments, yes. uh, that's the same as saying that we are not going to be offering treatment yes. to millions of people who need it. Yes. Well, I'm. I'm <clears throat> I think it's a marvelous achievement to have to have got this through. And um, I, I suppose my next question, just to to ask you a little bit about yourself first, but you you're. Oh, you can't stop it. Well, if I do, then it gets into another folder. So. Uh, hi. <laughs> no, I'm still doing this thing. Can Can I ring you after? Okay. Don't worry, we'll get them to leave that out. Just like yourself, you're so, the social economist. Can you explain what, what that means? Um, it's not a phrase <laughs> I use. No, I don't know. How would you describe yourself? Well, I, I, I became an economist actually in my 30s. Right. Um, from an interest in... Uh, public policy priorities right. and how, how does one think about that mm. and uh, I discovered that really only economists have got any kind of systematic framework for doing that um, but I was also uh, a bit uh, shocked by the limited range of factors that economists consider mm -hmm. as <coughs> influencing mm -hmm. uh, well-being um, but I still think that economics um, is by far the best way into thinking about uh, public policy, which mm. I'm sure is why social policy, for example, has been largely taken over I see. Um, yeah. by economists. Um, though I think all of us need to widen our, our, our view, and mm. um, uh, economics is trying now to um, take into account the insights of psychology, mm. um, and I'm... Um, Trying to push that along. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Uh, 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 as well. Yes. Thank you. Um, but uh, but obviously one of the main strengths of economics is that it, it has this very firm quantitative basis. Yes. Yes. And um, just so, how do you think IAP will work over the next few years? How do you see it rolling out? What what will facilitate? Well, our, 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 our original plan was uh, over a period of six years to mm -hmm. train um, enough people in uh, evidence-based therapy um, to be able to implement the yeah. guidelines throughout the country. Yeah. Um, and uh, in the comprehensive spending review in 2008, we got a commitment to provide all the money we asked for for the first three years, mm -hmm. because it only lasts for three years. Yeah. Um, what has actually happened has been that things have gone rather faster than we had envisaged because um, there has been a wave of, of enthusiasm at the PCT level. Yes. Because PCTs have been asked to tender for being the uh, wave one, wave two and wave three I see. Uh, sites uh -huh. uh, for the national rollout. Yes. Uh, and of course not all of them have, uh, have succeeded. But they still wanted to, to, to do things. Um, so what has happened has been that the, the uh, strategic health authorities have been managing this at, at the regional level, have in fact accepted more sites 
than we originally expected. Um, uh, but this has meant that, of course, the PCTs have been putting more of their own money into this yes. than uh, was originally envisaged, which is a very good thing yes. because it means that the thing is already entering into the mainstream. Yes. Um, in, in, a, in a thoroughly healthy way. Yes. What, what, what is important, though, is that um, you know, an increase in, in, in speed is yes. not achieved at a, a, a decrease in quality. Yes. yes. And um, it, it, it's crucial that sites which are called IPG sites satisfy the Quality standards, quality criteria, yes. uh, which <coughs> we laid down, which is that there are, there are enough staff mm. um, able to provide um, nice recommended treatments and to supervise trainees yes. to do that. Yes. Um, so uh, I think that uh, a, a happy compromise yes. um, has been reached. Now, what, is, what has happened uh, since is that, of course, we are. <coughs> We're now still only in the first year. Yes. Um, but we're, we're entering one of the worst recessions exactly, of the post-war yes. period. Yes. Um, and there is uh, a lot of interest um, in making sure that, that, that there are adequate IOPT services um, to help the additional numbers of people who will be suffering from depression. Yes. As a result of their growth in unemployment. Yes. Um, so... The um, enthusiasm yes. of the PCTs and SHAs um, is going to be um, uh, mobilised yes. uh, to uh, have uh, in such a way that in, in the second year, which is yes. 2009, yes. uh, we will have already covered 40% of the population. Yes. And therefore, by the third year, we will have covered more than half of the population, yes, yes. which means that we ought to be able to get to the coverage of the whole population in less than six years. Yes. Uh, and that will be the subject for discussion when the Comprehensive Spending Review is, yes. is being discussed in the uh, autumn. Yes. I mean, do you think those figures might change, though, with, as you say, you know, more unemployment, more unhappiness? Do you think that, in fact... It, it's well, an underestimate. My, my, I'm, I'm, I'm now giving a personal opinion. Yeah. My, my personal opinion is that we probably could um, get to uh, nat full national coverage um, during the fourth year, and provided we get provided we get enough money yes. um, to train the large number yes. of people who would have to be trained. So that could be a constraint, the, the, the lack of money to train. Well, I think it's very important. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we got, um, <coughs> in the third year, we've got 173 millions. Yes. So it's really important that we get um, a great deal more than that right. in the fourth year if we try to complete the program in the yes. fourth year. Yes. So that by the time we get to the fifth year, it's just part of the mainstream of yes. the NHS. Yes. Well, thank you for that. that. That's very helpful. Can you see anything else that might get in the way, apart from financial constraints? Can you see any other roadblocks to IAPT? Or? 
I don't. I don't think there's any anything which should stop us. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just wanted to address a, a, a couple of criticisms and, and concerns about IEPT and, and would very much like to hear your response to that. Um, there is a concern about fragmentation of services and that um, general practice might become de-skilled or alienated from the care of the mentally ill. But c can you say anything about that? It's, it's absolutely not the idea that there would be an IAPG service yeah. and a residual primary care psychological yeah. therapy service right. um, and associated um, elements of therapy and counselling yes. going on in GP practices. The idea is to produce an integrated service which, yes. <coughs> which was what the NHS had to offer for yes. depression and anxiety disorders and that uh, most of it would be delivered on GP uh, premises yes. if there was room. Yes, <laughs> yes, quite, yes. Uh, that that uh, in a typical PCT area there would be something like 40 therapists um, who would have, a, there would be a central building where the, yes. the senior therapists were and there were rooms for um, supervision, yes. training and, and uh, obviously administration and record keeping yes. but that most of the therapy would be delivered by team members who were associated with um, the particular with GP practices. With the primary healthcare team. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it could well be that some of them would continue to be employed by individual GPs. Yes. But we believe strongly that the performance of counsellors and therapists um, will be better if they're part of a professional team with uh, local supervision and a clear career prospects yes. and, uh, uh, and, and so on. Yes. Um, so we're talking about a progressive, not a forced, but a progressive integration of all the all the psychological therapy yes. for depression and anxiety disorders right. and in a PCT area right. um, within within a team uh, uh, for, man for for clinical for purposes of clinical management, right. e even though they would be physically cheek by jowl with the GPs and yes. therefore able to interact and discuss yes. individual patients with GPs. So, so in fact GPs may, through this sort of process and interaction and communication, develop their own skills as well? Well, in, it's, cr it's crucial that GPs yeah. do, do develop yes. their own skills. I mean, it, it's vital, of course, for um, <coughs> purposes of uh, improved recognition and diagnosis. Yes. The GPs are uh, better trained than many are yes. um, in detecting and diagnosing um, psychological problems um, and referring yes. them appropriately. appropriately yes. um, it's also, of course, important that um, um, GPs are represented within the team through, yes. a, through a GP with special interest yes. who, who can represent the GP interest at, at the, the core of the team. Yes. 
Yes. Um, and of course, it, it's very important that there are enough GPs who are themselves psychologically skilled. Yes. To be able to undertake some psychological treatment themselves yes. where, where it's particularly appropriate. For yes. example, where you have medically unexplained, unexplained symptoms, yes. it's, it's very desirable that the psychological therapists themselves have a medical yes. um, background. Yes. So we're looking to, uh, to a big upskilling of GPs and I'm delighted that the Royal College um, is proposing that uh, a, a part of the GP training Rota yes. would include, uh, say, three months in, in an IAPT team. I think yes. this would be a very, very good thing. Yes, yes. And, and you mentioned training. I believe IAPT is going to include a training package as well for primary health care team members. That's, that, that's, yeah. that's correct, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. Okay. Um, do you, <coughs> stigma is always an issue with mental health problems. Mm. Um, do you see IAPT changing this in any way? Well, I think, I, think the main, I think the main thing which will change a stigma is if people see that people with mental problems um, can be helped and can improve. Yeah. I think that's by far the most thing, yeah. important thing that would r reduce the fear uh, that people have about employing people with mental illness uh, uh, and, and generally interacting with people who, who have mental illness. Yes, yes. Um, I, I think you've really answered all of the questions I wanted to ask. I mean, there, there was this more philosophical one about splitting mind and the Cartesian splitting of mind and body, <laughs> but I don't know what you want to, if you want to say anything about that. <coughs> Do you think we're... <coughs> that so often the, the two can coexist, and certainly as GPs we, we find this quite a lot. Yes, but yeah. well, I think you're well placed um, to achieve a more integrated yeah. approach, but I think that we all know that you know, we, are, uh, we, are, we are both, um, but that the, the, there is a role for the division of labour. Yes. Um, and just <laughs> as you send people to a cardiologist, <laughs> yes. even though their heart may be affected by their yes. mind, so if, if the yes. central issue is, is the mind, um, yes. and um, medication is not the appropriate treatment, then yes. you should be sending them to to a psychologist yes. who has more time to deal with it yes. than the typical GP. Yes, that's fine. Is there anything that... Thank you very much for, for all this. Is there anything that you would I think like that to... I think that should read psychological therapist. Psychological therapist. Yeah. Right. Is there anything you would like to add? Any, any sort of vision you have of the, the, the whole... Well, I think... I think uh, you know, given that a third of the <coughs> time of GPs is devoted to people who have uh, mental health problems, yes. um, I think I think one is looking to a future in which GPs are much more mental, mentally health, mental health conscious. Yes, um, are better equipped uh, when they have the time to provide some treatment themselves. Yes. At least some of them. Yes, and certainly expert uh, at referring. And interacting with the psychology yes, team, yes, with the psychological therapy team, yes, um, to help um, a person back on the road to recovery because uh, there's a huge amount of comorbidity, yes, and so the patients will be coming to the 
a GP often for physical uh, requirements as well as going to the IAP team yes, to try and right. get them on the road. And right. it's, it, it, it needs to be a combined effort to get them back. Um, I think as part of this, um, it, it is important that there's a new attitude to work as, as a part of the process of therapy. Yes. And I think that um, the, the effort which the government is promoting now to encourage GPs to use the, the sick note as a, a footnote, if you like, yes. a, a, an instrument for a therapeutic program to help them back on the road to normal life. Yes is very important um, and that we don't want people to give up on their current jobs uh, if they have them. They, yes. We want to help them yes. keep them if we possibly can. Quite. And um, we also want to encourage them to find other jobs if they've lost them. Yes. Um, and that's why in the IAPT programme there will be employment support workers yes. as well as psychological therapists. Yes. So we need there isn't really is an important integration to be achieved between GPs, yes. uh, psychological therapists and employment support yes. workers. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> How long was that? I thought, oh, that was 25 minutes, not bad, oh, just under yeah. 23. Okay.